0: This is Morgan Michael, welcoming you to KindSight 101, the podcast, where you'll hear from world-renowned educational leaders about the mobilizing power of kindness. Together, by challenging our assumptions and venturing beyond the status quo in education, we can make a big impact. One small act at a time.
1: The teachers that I see stay Mm -hmm. and not just stay and survive, but thrive and Mm -hmm. enjoy the work and continue. They engage in a lot of self-compassion and self-care as well. So those things have to happen in tandem for, we just can't give it to our
0: students and not ourselves. In our conversation, Dr. Alber and I talk about the difference between empathic distress and compassion fatigue, and some of the ways that we can combat both through self-care. Dr. Rebecca Alber is an instructor at the UCLA Graduate School of Education, a literacy expert and a regular contributor to Edutopia, an online website founded by the George Lucas Educational Foundation, which shines a spotlight on what works in education. For more information on Dr. Rebecca Alber's work, visit edutopia.com or connect with her on Twitter. Within our classrooms, often our students have a variety of different experiences that can be really heartwarming and heartbreaking all at once. And so, the concept of empathic distress has sort of come up as a as a big issue because many educators are have big hearts and they take these stories on. And it can weigh heavy on their hearts. And so I, I'd just love to hear a little bit more about some of the ways that we can alleviate that empathic distress within the classroom as educators.
1: Yeah, so that term, empathic distress, uh, comes from uh, Joan Halifax, who is a Buddhist teacher. She's also an anthropologist. And I, I really, it resonates a little bit more with me than compassion fatigue. Mm. Because to me, what I felt more working with students that were having trauma, where I had limited resources, ability or scope, I felt distress. Mm-hmm. So it was more of a distressed state. And so many teachers, you know, we we are one person. And you may, if you're teaching secondary school, you could have, I mean, I know here in Los Angeles and public schools, Mm -hmm. you can have up to 160 kids that you're interacting with a day. So I, it's, yeah. So how, how do we care for ourselves? How Mm -hmm. do we, you know, not go on this quest to save, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to know what we, what our limits are and what we can do and we do all that we can do. And, Then we know that a lot of times what we can provide is that one hour for secondary teachers, that one hour or for primary teachers that day Mm -hmm. when they're with you, a space where they feel needed, necessary, wanted, loved and safe. They can Mm -hmm. take off their armor. Mm -hmm. That said, how does that leave us feeling as teachers a lot of times? Overwhelmed, hopeless anxious, anxiety. I would go home, uh, by Sunday, I would feel an anxiousness because I knew I was going to check in with a few students who were in situations. Maybe they were in foster care or they were in, in a home that wasn't, uh, not unsafe, but not a place where they felt loved. Mm -hmm. And so what, what did I do? What would I need to keep balance in my own life? So I think it's very important that, um, you know, as teachers, we're always reimagining the space where we work. And, and then we also need the other piece of that, the balance is self care. Mm-hmm. So, and included in self care is self compassion. I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I am contributing. To providing something for this child or these children, and I have my own limitations. Yeah. So, that's part of that self care is the self compassion, and for for you know that's where mindfulness and compassion contemplative practices for some, you know that's a trend that's coming into social emotional learning practices in our schooling. Yeah. And also for teachers, you know, to to help them manage and keep balance with all the exposure they have to secondary trauma.
0: Maybe what's one of your favorite ways to to be compassionate to yourself or to, to engage in self-care?
1: I would say for me, it's uh, leaving work and really leaving it. So when I am done grading or planning or making phone calls, you know, student student hours for our K-12 teachers, you know, parent hours, having, having a boundary with that Mm -hmm. and then having the time where I'm engaging in physical self-care, emotional self-care, mental, spiritual. So that could be breathing exercises, mindfulness, meditation practice. That could be walks. I spend a lot of time in the ocean. I swim and surf. Mm hmm. Uh, so physical activity that you have, and if you don't have a physical activity, I really encourage teachers to find one. Mm-hmm. If it's walking, awesome. But some sort of endorphin producer yes. in your life is so important because the the opposite is happening for us when yes. we're we're in that empathic distress or that compassion fatigue. We are we feel loss and, and drain. So we have to bring that endorphine in, those endorphins in.
0: Certainly. Yes. Is there anything that you'd like to touch on in terms of the topics that we've covered that you haven't had a chance to, to mention?
1: You know, compassion and care can really transform learning spaces They're not separate things. It's not us offering up compassion and care for students. It's us creating a space of compassion and care for ourselves and for our students. There's a lot of research around students who perceive a teacher as caring, having better grades and engaging in the classroom and school quite a bit more. So we have that research. And I would say from my own anecdotal research and observations, The teachers that I see stay Mm -hmm. and not just stay and survive, but thrive and Mm -hmm. enjoy the work and continue, they engage in a lot of self-compassion and self-care as well. So those things have to happen in tandem for we just can't give it to our students and not ourselves.
0: Thank you so much, Rebecca, for this conversation. It's been really interesting and enlightening and inspiring. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I want to thank you for the wonderful reviews that you've left for this podcast on iTunes. Your reviews make a big difference in helping other educators find this show. If you think that I'm doing good work here and you'd like others to get inspired and join our 21 Day Kindness Challenge and Movement, I'd love it if you would take a minute, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Kind Sight 101, the podcast. For links to resources mentioned in this episode, visit smallactbigimpact.com and click on our podcast and choose this episode number. Now, I'd love to give my audience a heads up about my new book, which will provide ideas, actionable strategies, and inquiry-based approaches to creating kinder classroom through serving the community. Subscribe to my blog for more information. Now I would love to hear from you. What's the biggest insight that you gain from this conversation? Head over to our website smallactbigimpact.com, leave a comment on our podcast page, or tag and connect with us on social media with the hashtag smallactbigimpact.com. Big impact to share your inspiring story of kindness. Can't wait to hear from you.